Good day, everyone. This is Neil Tov and Paul Catherall checking in fireside chats without the fire. Uh, this is the second weekly installment of Paul and my riffing on all things contact center, customer care, and everything in between. Uh, thank you for joining us. Paul, let the audience hear from you. Hey, everyone. Uh, pre <laughs> Thanks, man. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate you taking the time. And Neil, I can't believe it, but from our 40-minute chat last week, we've already had 40 downloads, which I think is amazing given it's two lads that are just talking about contact center stuff. So really appreciate everybody that's listened in and downloaded um, the episodes. Who would, and who would have thought that there'd be 40 people that have nothing else better to do than to listen to two blokes and... <laughs> Our respective geographies, but uh, bless exactly. them, and it's it's great to have them. Yeah, amazing. Can't can't believe it. So please, you know, please subscribe to the podcast, whichever um, avenue you use, whichever platform you use. But if you do have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Neil or, or myself, and we'll give you our contact details at the end of the podcast. So yeah, that, that's great, Neil. If you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to kind of um, lead today's discussion off, and because I'm I've spoken far too much this week and i hate doing it so i'm gonna it's i'm gonna a, it, it's been a long week for everyone i think yeah it's uh <laughs> it's crazy it's we're only here at friday morning over here on the east coast but yeah uh long week but i'm, I'm, I'm week. thrilled to do it let's let's get into it uh have a good dialogue paul you and i talked about and highlighted some areas of interest concern kind of top of mind stuff that's going on probably in both of our organizations that's yeah. really key for all of us in the customer care and contact center world, which is really around QA, leadership, coaching, training, getting the frontline team, and perhaps even middle management and management to really buy in and be motivated and engaged. And it's kind of the thought is, how do we do that? And, uh, you know, I think right. the, uh, uh, there's so much that goes into the initial training. And once you get agents trained, right? You get them trained or you think they're trained, you, you set them loose on the phones or to answer chats or respond to emails or interact with customers. And then you kind of realize like, uh oh, the stuff is hitting the fan. Or you realize like, oh my goodness, we did a sensational job in training and there's no issues. I think that's more the exception than the rule. Oftentimes you find once the agents hit the so-called floor, you start to figure out and see that, you know, they don't remember this, they're forgetting that, they're making a mistake here, they don't know how to use the system or software there, they're not looking at the FAQs, you know, all the stuff that comes up in training, whose job is that to make sure that these pieces of the operation work like a Swiss watch? How, how do you look at it, Paul, in your operation? You've got so many moving parts, but, but I know for you, you place so much emphasis on QA. What do you yeah. look at? So from a QA perspective, I think if we can actually go back a step, your, the point you made there, the salient point when agents come out of training, whose responsibility is it, is one that I've always, I've always had the discussion over. In my opinion, and again, it's only my opinion, right? I've always thought for that first month, there should be a nice transition between training and, and operations. And, or production, depending on, on you know your, the the language that you use. Um, but again, it, it it warrants a further discussion, and we're certainly not going to get it, um, you know, on this on this podcast right now, mate. But going back to QA, what do we look for? What do I look for from from a QA department? Obviously, we set guidelines in terms of what we want from a customer experience, ex a customer journey, and where possible, we outline what we think. Think in inverted commas 
what we think that customer experience, customer journey looks um, looks like and feels like. We've gone through a number of different changes with a whole QA process. We started we started reviewing it with 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 some ferocity probably about twelve months ago, and we went with the traditional. Let's have sixteen thousand different elements on a score sheet, right? Where they range from a one to five, because. Initially, your thought process of what you want from a QA form is you want a structured approach for that agent to follow because you think that's what they're going to give you at the end of the day. What I found as I've gone through this journey is that that's not the case at all. You need to give the agent that degree of flexibility to give to allow them to allow them to give the best possible customer experience they can give to that customer. And you have to also remember. And this is the bit that a lot of people struggle with is that each call is going to be different. So you need to have that degree of flexibility from an agent perspective to allow them to breathe on a call and to allow them to be that person that the customer wants to speak to. So we've gone through about three or four different variations of our, of our QA form, our QA process. And our current process now works on not a scoring matrix, but more of a, an effective versus ineffective. Which we're finding it's a little it's a little bit easier to score agents with, but also more importantly for us, it's easier for from a client perspective to get calibration with the sites. And we've seen since we've gone down this down this approach down this avenue that we've seen a reduction in the difference um, of scoring. So if we go back 12 months, we were maybe 20 25 percent difference. We're now on a weekly basis less than 5% when it comes to QA scores. So that's how I see it, mate. But honestly, I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts because you are, to pinch one of your um, famous phrases, if you don't mind, you're a, you're a thought leader around the QA. System, and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm really in awe of kind of the discussions that we've had, you know, privately in the past. So maybe you can share what your thoughts are and how you see the, the current QA. And I hate to labor the point, but how do you see that changing in the new norm, which is what 100% of agents at the moment working from home? Yeah, thank you. And, and so for those that might have missed it, uh, Paul and I did a webinar with ICMI, I think already about two, two and a half weeks ago. And we got into the weeds around QA. And I had a chance to look at your QA scorecard and how you had it structured and talk about all. Oh, I, I was shocked in a favorable way of how different it is from what we do. Uh, it really is making me rethink kind of how we structure these things. So uh, we have a numerical scorecard where stuff is, you know, uh, scored from one to 10. Each question has a weight, which yours does too. Um, yeah. But yours is different from ours. And again, this is a favorable distinction. Uh, you don't score stuff one to 10. I think you have a qualitative dis description of whether it was helpful or not. I forget the language, but helpful, not helpful, good, you know, favorable, negative. It's, it's very yeah. simple to navigate because it's, it's kind of more black or white, whereas ours has 10 shades of gray in the middle. And <laughs> what's the difference between a six and a seven or a, or a three and a four? Like, exactly. you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, we, we, we make our own process overly cumbersome, I think. Uh, so I'd really like seeing yours. It was refreshing. All that being said, I'm really excited because literally this week, today's Friday, two days ago, Wednesday, we 
uh, finalized an agreement, and I'll, I'll, because we're, this is our, our dialogue here, I'll name the name of it. Yeah. Uh, we had um, a company called uh, Observe AI. Uh, we okay. named them as our new speech analytics partner. We're super excited about the partnership. Um, Observe AI has been particularly strong in the BPO market, but they've got a sensational set of tools to really just automate the QA process, uh, create some analytics around it, speed it through uh, the value chain so that, you know, if I look at things today, sometimes we listen to calls live, sometimes mostly we listen to them the next day or sometimes the next business day. So imagine yeah. calls that are uh, being made Friday may not be evaluated until Monday or at worst Tuesday. Imagine what's happened if there's a problem on Friday and we don't start to even hear or understand it until Monday or Tuesday, like that's wrong. That's inherently yeah. wrong. It's broken. And one of the main you know, points of attraction for speech analytics is you get, you, you just break, you know, we talk about flatten the curve and narrow the, the window. We're, we're able to flatten the curve, so to speak, if I can borrow that term of <laughs> potential problems that are going on in the call center. What it's, it's flattened. It's, it's, it's narrowed. And we're able to detect a problem and, figure out, identify, and get feedback to the person that performed that call in such a shorter period of time. There's, there aren't people necessarily in the middle. Uh, it's automated. And it, 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 I think I like want to think of the term empowered, meaning you don't yeah. have to pull the agent from the floor, go work in a QA room or a conference room, sit them down like an old school teacher scolding the student. You did this, you did that <laughs> sign here. Here's your, here's your, your grades for the, the quarter. You know, it, it's not like. Do this. Sorry. I just might've cut out for one second. There we go. There you're back. Um, yeah, you're back. And, um, and uh, so we're super excited about it. I think it's going to be a massive difference maker in general, but especially as we have remote work from home agents. You yeah. know, you can't pull the agents into the coaching room or into the conference room or into the QA room anymore. Everyone's on their own. Geography is, there's no geography. It's, you know, everyone is, is in their respective places. There's no design safe space for this stuff. So we need to get things automated, get right to the desktop, get it in front of people, let them be responsible for their own uh, feedback, read the coaching points, ask questions, dialogue. Yeah. But it elevates, I think, the um, skill set of the QA team and mm. adds value. And by the way, it cuts out an insane amount of cost in the middle. So I'm excited about it. That's kind of how we're looking at things. A, right. just kind of as, as incorporating better technology, but B is this whole work from home model explodes in our faces, you know, we're, we're going to be equipped to, to, to better address the QA needs that we have. Does that make sense? A hundred percent, mate. I've, I've got a couple of follow-ups questions, if you don't mind. I don't, I don't want to come across as an interviewer at this point, but in terms of QA itself, so I think you've raised some, some great points there. Do you see the role of a QA lead or a QA analyst or manager changing with the introduction of speech, speech analytics and also working from home? Or, or is it more of a case of the current incumbents in that role are going to have to change their skill set, which will then mean that we will have to change or the BPO industry will have to change their recruitment dynamics on hiring these type of people? What, 
what how do you see that playing out in the future so exactly i i think it's a it's a it, the answer is yes to both of them so uh, one of the critical success factors for us whether whether this this program will be successful or not is were we able to reduce cost mm. by the way if whether you're a, a big brand like where you work whether you're bpo like us cost is always one of the first and foremost problems we have to deal with and if you're not addressing it you need to be because every year there's a thing called salary inflation and cost increase and <laughs> we yeah. all know that stuff and our world unfortunately doesn't really permit that so you have to find ways to be leaner and faster and, and more productive um, the opportunity that this presents for us is to hopefully take a big chunk out of our overall cost structure today we we entire we employ uh, a small army of QA, monitors, okay. supervisors, managers. Uh, we will always have a QA department, but I see the role of the QA department absolutely evolving so that we have few to no people putting on the headset, listening to calls, have the spreadsheet open, clicking, click, 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 click. Those days I think are gonna be over. That's a massive change in the HR structure and the org chart of how our, all of our organizations work today. I think the QA people that we want to have on our team are able to generate the reports, read them, interpret them, make uh, analyses of what's going on, trend analysis, uh, address root cause, and push out a plan to, to fix the problems that you know, the reporting should, should, should show a much higher skill set so the more entry level so you know in our shop and i think in, in others yeah an agent does well maybe they get promoted and the next line of promotion they would go to maybe is like a qa monitor or a coach or a okay. trainer or something like that absolutely yeah. i see those roles not disappearing but transitioning into a higher skill set so the, the jump from agent uh, yeah. to qa leaders a much bigger will be a much bigger jump now the skill set for the new QA, the QA of the present and future will be a lot higher. Uh, and what that means for our promotions and HR and org chart is, is it kind of remains to be seen. That's how I envision, I don't know, what, what, what do you think? I think you guys clearly are similar. You have a QA team. How do you see the, the, the HR world and HR role and org chart evolving with this? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on, on so many points. It's, it's going to change. I definitely agree with you in terms of the skill set. The skill set at the moment won't be the one that we're using in the future, particularly from a QA analyst, but especially if it's going to come from speech analytics, right? So you'll be more looking at the types of leaders in the QA area who'll be able to spot trends, who'll be able to spot opportunities. And then also link that then back into ops in a productive and a positive way, because from from some of my experience, I've been in the game now for a number of years, but from some of my experience, sometimes the QA department can be seen as a bit of a quote unquote secret police rather than the positive impact that it can have, you know, on operations. And in my humble opinion, that boils down to the synergy or the sync between QA and, and, and operations and, and training, right? And from what I've seen, the sooner you engage QA in training, for any new hire on, you know, on board. And, and again, the sooner you involve QA in production or operations, again, depending on your terminology, 
that then really shows the benefit of a real QA team, but more not just a team, but also somebody who knows what they're doing and then they can demonstrate that they're not just there from a, a tick box exercise, which I think we both agree over the upcoming months that will that will go. You'll no longer have the tick box exercise. It will be more of a effective versus ineffective rather than kind of a scoring matrix when it comes to QA. That that's where I see the future of QA going. I think it will be beneficial, certainly from a client perspective, that we will have, when I say we, I mean the clients, obviously I'm not speaking for all clients, but in, in my in my view, having that speech analytics rather than the human element that we see now will take some of the gray area away from what's actually happening and saying on the calls. Um, I'd be interested to see what happens from a CSAT perspective when we go fully analytical or fully, fully automated, right? In terms of if what we want the reporting to be or the outputs that we want from the speech analytics have the right impact on the QA stroke CSAT scores. Because I think at the moment, certainly from my experience and the, the systems that we're using, which is manual, um, that that's an unknown for me. You've got obviously a lot more experience in that, but that's kind of where I see it. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about, uh, we, we use the initial CSF critical success factors. One of the criti yep. critical success factors has to be ultimately, what is the impact on the customer experience, right? It's great if we're saving money, wonderful, check the box. It's great if the so-called quality improves, but that's really more an internal thing what you really matter, what really matters, what you really need to look at is what's the impact externally on the customer. If all of these things have a favorable impact on the customer, CSAT yeah. scores, NPS, lower effort, higher resolution rates, uh, you know, conversion percentage increases, average order value and your sales, all that stuff increases, then wonderful. You check all the boxes and, and, and you're good. Um, yeah. But that that's on our, absolutely on our list of, how do you evaluate whether this project really generated exactly. and generates, continues to generate present tense and future tense, uh, a return? For us, yeah. it still remains to be seen, but that's the dream. And we think we no, can you're get right, there with, with, with the right thing. And I'll just share this anecdotally. So, you know, we're talking about impact and how you do this. You know, we, we've wanted to do this for um, at least the last two years. And right. I was all gung ho, all gung ho to get it started, but you know the the weakest, the, the biggest threat that we had two years ago to doing this was humans. We didn't have the right people to manage the process. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have the right manager to, you know, who was smart enough and to uh, teach his team and manage the process correctly. And had we done this two years ago, we probably would have fallen flat on our faces. Now we're much more yeah. better prepared. I think we have the right people in place. But isn't it ironic that all this focus on technology and efficiency and agility, you still need the right people. So this is still exactly. very much a human business, but different humans. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I agree. So tell me this, Neil, let's, let's go on. Sorry. I, I was going to say, you know, just kind of the, this obviously gets us into a topic of, of leadership and coaching and, you know, one thing is QA feedback, right? We talked about yeah. that, but naturally what comes out of QA feedback is coaching and teaching and mentorship. And as long as we have live agents, we'll never be able to get 
rid of those concepts. Those continue to be really important. And I think hitting back on the original question we talked about is who's ultimately responsible for that stuff? How are we going to make sure that our team members have all the tools, they're motivated, they're trained, there's a career path for them? Who does that job? And by the way, especially now that you don't have the luxury of going to the conference room or going out for a beer exactly. together, like, how do you do that? It's honestly, I, I think for me, given that we, we've now you know, gone past that 20 minute mark. <laughs> this is probably a discussion for a future podcast because the, what you were talking about there, not only was the management side, but also I think what warrants a further discussion is what metrics should we be using? Because over the past six months, or should we measure, I should say, over the past six months, I've started to hear a lot of noise around customer effort score replacing CSAP and replacing MPS. And I don't think, we're not going to answer it now, but again, it's something we can discuss in the future. I've not, I've, I've not heard a really strong argument for one or the other. There's a lot of discussions over that. The same for Omnitangle, in my opinion. I, I, I've not really seen a, a positive experience of, of Omnichannel as yet, but I'm sure there's a lot of things, you know, that is happening in the marketplace or in our, in our industry space that um, I am unaware of. But yeah, man. So why don't so, we why don't we leave that, those as the next topic, right? For our next podcast yeah. next week, we'll yeah. we'll hit on on those. Uh, some call them more advanced uh, customer experience metrics, uh, yeah. emerging trends, how to evaluate experience, and things like that. I think that would be those would be some great topics uh, to 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 hit on. I think those are things to look forward to, to discussing stuff you and I can prepare a little bit more. And um, this was sensational. Absolutely. What what yeah, a, what a thrill know. to end the week. <laughs> with an eminence such as yourself i appreciate it paul you're, you're, you're wonderful today thanks right you're, you're brilliant so just for everybody's benefit so next week we're going to try a couple of new things we've got a couple of guests um attending right we've got a, a call we've got a podcast meeting on wednesday on one on friday um so yeah looking forward to you know for the first time ever having guests on this podcast it really is a new territory for us both but i'm thoroughly enjoying it neil um how can people reach out to you uh, best way is certainly on LinkedIn, uh, you know, whatever it is, it's linkedin.com slash in, and then my name, N-E-A-L-T-O-P-F, I think is that whole string, or certainly on Twitter, okay. at Neil Toff, N-E-A-L-T-O-P-F. That's the easiest way. Excellent. And, and more or less the same for me. So LinkedIn's Paul Catherell, um, which is C-A-T-H-E-R-A-L-L, and then on Twitter, it's at PaulCat72. But there we go. Neil, wonderful. Thank you very much, man. Have a wonderful weekend. Love to the family. Outstanding, Paul. Thank you so much. Thanks to the audience. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be in touch. Uh, we'll publish our next one next week and uh, some great yeah. topics to look forward to. Thanks to the audience for, for tuning in. Absolutely. Take care, mate. See you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye.